You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. sessions in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman had shown Gotham the true colors of unfortunate. But some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman! again bat family this is the eternal night a podcast dedicated to everything batman dark knight detective you name it we talk about it um i'm one of your hosts uh craig blaylock and and along here is my co-host mr philip parker how you doing phil hey bud how's it going man that was a great intro good job i'm trying trying to stretch my my limits here see if i can get out of this comfort zone get into the more podcasting mood i gotta be honest with you after doing oh over like a hundred episodes on my own being like, hey welcome to super ostrich welcome to the eternal <laughs> it, it actually felt nice not doing the intro for <laughs> once so i might uh, you, you, we got to do this more often just kind of change it up every now and again but it's been good man it's 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 nice you know we just spent the last you know damn i don't know 45 and 50 minutes just kind of shooting the shit yeah so it's been going good man it's been a couple weeks since our, our our last get together with uh the long Halloween. Yeah, and that was that was a lot of fun. You know, what a what a two film experience that was to just kind of go scene by scene and just take it all in. It just really kind of emphasizes the fact that that is such a such a great story to bring to the screen. Well, you'll be happy to know that that is not the last time we'll be talking about it. Yeah very Which, interested to see so uh you know we've been kind of going back and forth after the this now that we're out of the halloween season and well into november and as the holidays are looming and of course you know there is a new batman movie on the way coming next march we're very excited for that if you guys also want to check out our episode detailing that new trailer by all means give it a listen but there is a uh there's a plot synopsis that craig and i were talking about and I figure we we should probably give it a little shout out here on the show because because why not right? It's it's the yeah. Batman or a Batman podcast. So uh, if you don't mind, Craig, I'll I'll take the reins and read it off. Yeah, go for it. So this has been revealed by uh, apparently WBUK brand new synopsis for the Batman, providing a brief overview of what audiences can expect from the film. 
This is just a little plot summary, and it goes like this. The Batman is an edgy, action-packed thriller that depicts Batman in his early years, struggling to balance rage with righteousness as he investigates a disturbing mystery that has terrorized Gotham. Robert Pattinson delivers a raw, intense portrayal of Batman as a disillusioned, desperate vigilante, awakened by the realization that the anger consuming him makes him no better than the ruthless serial killer he's hunting. Oof. That doesn't tell you what kind of experience we're going to be going in for. I don't know what will. Well, I can assure you his Batman seems very angry. Mm-hmm. Especially after that last trailer. Oof. Yeah. But that is a very interesting choice of words there with the with the synopsis, because I actually find it kind of ironic, because there was such long time of criticizing uh, the last iteration of Batman for being quote edgy <laughs> and uh-huh. angry and it's like ah, well, okay cool I'm, I mean hey I'm down with angry Batman I like angry Batman I'm, super asshole Batman not so much angry Batman 100% yep and with that kind of score man I still can't get over the score so far I mean just from the trailers we've gotten that score is amazing Oh, dude, that score is going to be one I can't wait books. to hear more of it. Oh, same. I can't wait to see that movie. It's going to be so fun because, you know, I, I think we've spoken on numerous occasions. I make no bones about it. The Riddler is one of my favorite villains. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see this version of him. I mean, I, I'm always open to many interpretations. Um, you know, speaking of which, shameless plug, I've actually just started a, a comic book channel on uh, the Four Nerds Network. On Friday nights, uh, it's going. It's called the Late Night Pool. We just had our last episode last Friday. Tomorrow, as of this recording, I'll be doing episode two. I'll be talking about Dark Knights of Steel from Tom Taylor. It's kind of a high fantasy take on the DC universe, and there's a couple things that happen in that issue that I'm very eager to talk about. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But you know, that's the, I think again the beauty of that character of the character of Batman. You know, he's so malleable and so morphable into very different variations and that's why you can also kind of get away with it in the live action form too where you can have you know a version with Robert Pattinson and this gigantic roaring score for Michael Giacchino that just takes presence upon hearing like you, you I hear that you're like Batman yeah sorry that was a bit of a ramble oh it's alright I'm just really excited for that movie that movie is just gonna be awesome so I don't know. I, I feel like the, of the two trailers they have out now, I don't think they need to release another one. Yeah, it's like it's like I said in the episode where we talked about that trailer. I personally don't need another trailer. I don't need to know anything more. You don't have to show me anything more. Don't reveal anything more. Just give me a few more months. Let me go see the film and let me just experience it. And to that end, um, I do feel like that, that little plot synopsis does give you kind of a better idea of where this Batman's headspace is, because he's obviously very entrenched in being a Batman, and I feel like that's a very significant difference from, yeah. from the Nolan trilogy, because you had a Bruce Wayne there who was very much in a lot of control of everything, whereas you see here that I think that Bruce Wayne is letting the Batman kind of take a grapple on his persona, maybe a little bit too much. I think so, too. I, I think it's very interesting to see in the two trailers we've seen, in the scenes where he's Bruce, he does not look like Bruce Wayne. He does not have those mannerisms that Bruce Wayne usually has. 
He's very much you can even when he's in his normal clothing, he looks very angry. He looks very standoffish. This is a I think this is going to be a very different kind of Bruce Wayne, probably one that we've never seen before, possibly. It's a little unhinged in that regard because he doesn't you don't really see at least from our experience anyway, you don't are I don't ever recall seeing a Bruce Wayne that's a little unhinged in that mm-hmm. regard. Because this is a year two story, you know, he's kind of established himself in some some regard as well. So it's it's interesting that he's kind of starting to just maybe lose it a little bit. I mean, really the only time I can honestly think we've seen a situation where Bruce Wayne is kind of showing his uh, an unhinged side of himself is in 89 Batman. You know, the whole scene, come on, let's get nuts scene. Mm-hmm. That's really, I was trying to think of that the other day, like when else have we seen Bruce Wayne kind of lose control? That's the only thing I can think of. I can't really think of any other situation where we've seen him kind of lose his grip or show anything more than his playboy persona to the public. Well, even in the first trailer, you know, when the car crashes through the church home into the, during the funeral, and the cat walks out with the, the letter to the Batman and Bruce yeah. Wayne is just standing there looking at it just super angry like I, I he wants to do something but he clearly can't. Yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 always down for angry young Batman. Like that's that's always an interesting avenue to explore. Because when, when he's angry and he's young, that's probably the best way for him to learn. And he, and also where he's going to make mistakes, like we talked about in our trailer breakdown. Or I, I do think that something is going to go wrong that leads to that explosion in the uh, the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a learning lesson for him. Oh, I think the whole movie is probably going to be a giant learning lesson yeah. for him. For sure. Because this is interesting. It's interesting because you've got a young Batman who is... I, I think it's going to be different from Christopher Nolan's take because Christopher Nolan was doing something a little bit more cinematic... Whereas I think Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson are doing something a little bit more storytelling with the Batman persona in that world. They're just kind of grounding it first. You know what I mean? And I think the approach that they're taking with it and even just like the look of the Batmobile and the way that this this, this Bruce Wayne seems to be operating and very like... What's the right word here? Almost James Bondy to some extent. Mm Mm-hmm very in the shadows too like there's a shot of him from the second trailer where he just literally walks out of the shadow it's like you i hadn't seen something like that since i think the dark knight rises they hadn't done a shot like that yeah honestly i don't he, nothing that i can think of because he kind of comes out of the shadow there towards the end with um the flare to give to gordon yeah but that shot in the trailer the new trailer for the new movie He's you literally just see darkness and then he just walks out of it like it could not be any more like I've seen that done in so many different panels so many different ways and it's been you know a very tough thing to try and do on screen but I think Matt Reeves got it pretty right yeah yeah needless needless to say we're pretty excited for that film and I'm sure it will absolutely have some legendary moments, which is the title of this episode. Legendary moments. Well, you took the, the words. Part. I was literally going to lead in with that. I was about to say, you could say it's going to have a lot of legendary moments. Oh, yeah. We are in uh, 
because of our absence of last month, because it was Halloween, we had other things going on, we are doing our Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight Volume 2. Uh, I don't know Craig's. Craig doesn't know mine. I don't even think we mentioned... I might have hinted at a few of them already, but yeah. New 5 for Volume 2. You're, I'm excited. This is yeah. you know uh, a nice way of keeping some continuity here for this podcast. Yeah. Which is kept all on a notepad, which I probably should save to some kind of Google Drive. That way, <laughs> that's, that's probably a good idea. I'm, I'm going to do a note of that sometime soon. Anyway, Craig, we're here. Volume 2, Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight. You excited? Absolutely. As am I. A uh, little preface. The majority of mine, actually, this time are all from movies. Let's see. Mine... Almost all of mine, I have several. Actually, I, I got a mix this time. I got some from movie, some from animated, and some from comic. Oh, nice. Okay. I contemplated on putting one from a comic, but I was like, ah, next time. Yeah. But I'm excited. I'm excited to hear. I'm excited to hear yours. I, already, I don't even think I had any. Um, uh, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't have any runner-ups or... Um, honorable mentions there we go words there we you go. took the words out of my mouth thank you <laughs> I, they were they escaped my tongue there so yes i did yeah, I, no. I didn't have mentions. any i didn't have any either mine is just the straight top five well would you like to go first my good man yeah sure so number five for me for our next set of legendary batman moments uh, it's kind of a combination i guess a comic moment but it was a few years ago interpreted to uh the animated uh screen but uh, one of my legendary moments would have to be Batman riding again in uh, the Dark Knight, uh, or the Dark Knight Returns. Um, Batman taking up his mantle, getting up on a horse, mm -hmm. and leading an army of reformed mutants into Gotham while the city is literally tearing itself apart. And it just shows you that even without weapons... And without his technology, Batman has the ability to come in and invoke justice where he sees fit. It's just such a great moment in the comic. I love the panel of him just leading the charge and everyone following behind him. Um, and, of course, in the animated Dark Knight Returns movie, mm -hmm. it looks even better. And you've got Peter Weller's voice commanding. I mean, talk about the perfect voice to command an army <laughs> that is that's such a great moment when he declares to them that tonight i am the law i am justice and takes tonight, those mutants into gotham and yeah. stops them from tearing the city apart that's when he breaks the shotgun apart and said these are loud and clumsy yeah, yeah loud and clumsy i gotta admit such peter, a great moment peter weller is very underrated as the voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne. I feel like he gets uh, very underrated a lot. He's very great in the role. I appreciate that movie a lot. Um, I'm sure at some point we'll probably have to talk about it here. So it's just yeah. a beautiful, beautiful movie. And, you know, does it does a, does that book and that story a lot of justice? Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say, your, yours just kicks the crap out of mine. That, <laughs> mine is just... <laughs> Look... I love that sequence 
in the Dark Knight Returns because it 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 does showcase like a, a bit of where Batman's headspace comes from and his age and mm-hmm. how you know his old rule still applies to him even though he uh, kind of broke it even you know days or hours later earlier yeah even still you know any means necessary and he didn't kill anybody with it so there's the kicker anyway uh, I'm yeah you, dude you're I love yours. Mine, I put on my list because I find it now more funny because of the real-world circumstances behind it. And mm. it, it's a line from one of our favorite live-action Batman films. Um, delivered by the great Michael Go, Michael Goff. Can I persuade you to take a sandwich with you, sir? <laughs> I'll get drive through. <laughs> yeah i love that line now yeah as, as an adult i loved it as a child because i always yep. used to love just you know going to the drive-thru getting burgers whatever right mm-hmm. but i find it funny now as an adult knowing why the mechanics of batman forever being the movie that it is and how that movie came to be <laughs> the fact that they wanted a more family-friendly batman film to sell happy meals sell happy meals sell action figures Figures. sell everything right so i'll get drive through feels like a fun nod to the the mcdonald's people like no problem we got you and i thought it was funny that they tried that schumacher i'll give him credit he tried to follow that joke up in batman and robin with robin you know uh what is what does he tell batman i want a car i want a car chick Chick stick a car And Batman this says place, this is why Superman works alone. Works alone. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you guys try it. You try it again. You, you nailed it with the I'll take I'll get drive through. You, you didn't nail it on that one. <laughs> no. Why is it every time? We I talk, know. We, it's, it's always it always goes back to Batman and Robin. It You're always s- does. You were so lucky. I am out of wine. Because <laughs> I'd be pouring a glass right now, I'm having to make me think of that movie. <laughs> uh, come on, Phil, chill. Oh <laughs> no, I'll never stop. I'm never gonna stop. Maybe for New Year's. Yeah, indeed. Maybe for New Year's, folks. Yep. All you listeners out there, if you get the running joke, yeah, maybe maybe for yep. New Year's we'll finally deliver on that commentary. We'll see. <laughs> That's a good number five. I like that. I that uh, I honestly, I need to go back and watch Batman Forever. It's been it's been a good while. I want to say it's probably been 10 plus years since I went from beginning to end watch Batman Forever. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. I watched it right before Fandom. Oh, nice. No shame. <laughs> it's, it was the month of Halloween. That movie kind of happens around Halloween. I was like, what yeah. the hell? Why not? It's got it's got some great moments in it. It's you nice know, for as for getting other shit done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, for number four, mine is um, from the animated Batman movie Under the Red Hood. Oh, okay. I almost... uh, it is. Oh, you almost had one. I almost had one from this movie, but go ahead. Okay. So my moment from this film uh, is towards the end and is the final confrontation, the confrontation between Batman, Jason Todd with Joker kind of hanging out there with them. Uh, just that that culmination of everything that's happened in Under the Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, to give anybody that hasn't seen it kind of just a quick synopsis, 
Under the Red Hood is the story of Jason Todd's death, quote-unquote death. Uh, Joker left him to die in a warehouse explosion. Batman assumed he died. Throughout the course of the movie, you're introduced to the Red Hood, who is this other vigilante who is much more of the vengeful, I will kill anybody to reach my goal. Turns out, towards the end, it's revealed to be that Jason Todd was brought back to life by Ra's al Ghul and uh, the Lazarus Pit. Mm-hmm. And this is the ending of that uh, that film where Jason Todd has captured the Joker, uh, gave him a little bit of uh, revenge, you know, beat Joker up pretty well with that crowbar in that scene. That, that was actually a pretty brutal scene when he's just getting his kind of comeuppance on the Joker and oh, just dude, he gave hitting him. Long. Yeah, just hitting him over and over again with the crowbar. Um, but then Batman arrives. They have a standoff. And Jason Todd basically tells him, I'm going to murder the Joker. The only way to stop me is to kill me. And it's just very, very interesting to see this dynamic of Batman having to face not just the villain that has caused him so much turmoil, but the effects that that villain has taken on someone that he cared for. Right, And it, it's just such a, it's a very tense scene. And even though in the grand scheme of things, we all kind of know how it's going to play out, you're still just roped in by the dialogue and what they're discussing. That come up in sequence between the three of them, even that fight between Bruce and Jason is some of the best animation they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Bruce Greenwood is a fantastic Batman. Jason Eccles is fantastic. Jason Todd. Uh, that movie is easily one of the best Batman movies ever made. Uh, mm-hmm. That sequence is everything. And even John DiMaggio, just del- he was the voice of the Joker in that one, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, dude. Just absolutely nailed it with his A very laugh. different sound for Joker, but I really, really liked it. Oh, him and Michael Emerson, just severely underrated voices of the Joker. But they both mm-hmm. delivered such, you know, really great, distinct performances respectively in each film that they both appeared as the joker in and especially dimaggio here like the way he just beats the snot out of jason todd at the beginning of the movie is mm-hmm. just nothing short of horrifying but also like you hear him just oh let's try that again okay again pumpkin just you you hear him talk as the joker it's like oh he's not doing hamill he's doing something completely different and it's still very it's chilling it's bone yeah. chilling and even like when he leaves and locks it up and he's like tell the big man i said hello yeah and then he just delivers this really wicked cackle laugh and it's like oh his laugh his laugh is probably one of the most haunting things it's Mm -hmm. got this like this dry crack to it yeah like like he's wheezing almost as he's laughing there's there's something just very I don't even, I don't know, like, otherworldly about it. You know, when it comes to the Joker's laugh, um, especially when it comes to, you know, the the many different voices that have done it over the years, that one is always something that is always a standout among certain voice actors, and I feel like, um, oh man, who who did it here? It's DiMaggio. Wow, we were just talking about Mm. it. Voice of Bender, you know? Like, he he takes that, that, that wicked, just lower (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's like just you know it's a it's a lot more boisterous than that that was a little bit more high-pitched but he just really to just 
I hear his laugh in my head, and it's just, it still just brings chills. Like, he's got a, a laugh up there with, like, Ledger's, and um, mm-hmm. Emerson has a pretty solid laugh, too. Yeah. I would also say there's one other one I can't think of at the moment. Oh, man, which movie was it? Mm. Damn. It's escaping me. There's another one who's just got an... Oh, he was just in Injustice, the the cat who plays um, Joker in that movie. Um, Kevin... Uh, Kevin Pollock. Oh, okay. He has a pretty gnarly laugh in that movie. As the Joker. I still, you know, we talked about it on the last episode. I still need to watch that. I haven't gotten around to it yet. It's, It's getting a lot of flack. I didn't really have too many issues with it. I can understand some of the criticisms, especially if you're a big fan of that story. Um, I really won't won't say too much more on that. So, um, when you get a chance, you know, let me know how you feel about it. I, you know, enjoyed it for what it was. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so the last thing just for me on that standoff, um, I just wrote down a few of the quotes, bet- the dialogue between the two of them. And hearing Jason Todd tell Batman, Bruce, I forgive you for not saving me. That that sentence alone just has so much impact to it because you would think he would have something against Bruce for not saving him, but he understands. He knows what Bruce goes through as Batman. So he forgives him, and then but then he turns right around and he goes, but why on God's earth is he still alive? And then he drops, you know, Joker jumps, falls into frame. Right. And you can just tell that he has this love for Bruce but he just cannot fathom why Bruce has not taken the Joker out at this point. And, and then for Batman to follow it up with, no, it'd be too damn easy. If I allow myself to go down into that place, I'll never come back. And that quote really, really stuck with me in that scene. You know, Greenwood delivered it so well in that sequence because it's just like, because he's, he's just so quick to answer because he already knows how to answer it he knows what's going through jason's head he Uh he's just like and he's obviously got to face both of his greatest failures there at the same time and you got to figure like when when faced with the question of why is he still alive of all your supervillains, of all the people you put away in arkham every single night every single day day after day night after night why is the joker of all of them still alive after he's done all Mm -hmm. these horrific things you know he kills jason todd he paralyzes barbara gordon in some iterations he's even murdered gordon's first wife you know the joker is this the you know people think of the joker sometimes and they just think of oh haha he just plants bombs and you know he gets away with like no the joker is a sadistic evil psychotic being like there Mm -hmm. is no end to this evil black hole that is his mind. Like, I, th- I think people really underestimate just how vile that character can really be written in some regard. And, and when, you know, you take a... It's it's interesting to see Batman face that that failure. That you're, is you're, his it, fault, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you're talking about a character who, in the comics anyway, had his face peeled off and mm-hmm. then stapled it back to his raw skin. This is not a character who is there for just the the yucks. No. No, 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 no. And even 
the War of Jokes and Riddles, that was a Tom King story, and even more recently, like, the, the Joker War, like, he doesn't hold back. Like, the, the man is... He's insane, but he's also very much a genius in some regard. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy to think about. And then actually the line, um, this would be my last point on this, the line that really stuck out through all of it is actually just before the the everything kind of reaches its culmination. So, you know, Jason Todd tries to shoot Batman. He flings around, throws his batarang, breaks the gun. Looks like he kind of like messes up Jason Todd's hand. Joker starts laughing, and the line that Joker says as he's laughing at the situation, he said, you managed a way to win, and everybody still loses. That had some weight to it there when I heard yeah. that. Yep. The fact that Joker identifies that Batman technically, in the grand scheme of things, did the right thing. He didn't allow Jason Todd to murder somebody, but he also didn't allow him to murder the Joker. <laughs> right. This man who is responsible for literally hundreds of deaths. So even though he did the right thing and all of them are still alive, he did hurt everyone by doing that. And then even Jason has a failsafe in, in all the yeah. bombs that he lined up around around the building. So it's like... <sighs> but even still, Batman was able to save both of them. Yeah. Kudos to him, because he's Batman. Mm -hmm. We gotta talk about Under the Red Hood at some point, too. Yeah, I think so. So... My number four is actually also kind of Joker-ish in some regard, but it's um, a, another live-action take. Um, it's the exchange at the very end of Batman 89 between Batman and the Joker. You know, I made you, you made me first. Ah, uh, yeah. Whenever, mm -hmm. and You know, this is strictly within the confines of, again, this film, because obviously by regular and other continuity standards, obviously the Joker is not the murder of the Waynes, blah, mm -hmm. blah, 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 all that, not that stuff within the confines of the film I actually think that that's a very ingenious way of, of them addressing each other's former identities and, and mm -hmm. what they are now and I just again love the line delivery of Michael Keaton when he just he's got his fists up and he's like I made you you made me first yeah <laughs> and it doesn't even occur to Joker and he's just like like oh, I gotta watch that movie again yeah 89 that is one I, I should probably just watch all i haven't seen any of the you know the the 80s and 90s films in quite some time so i think i just need to go back and just watch all of them you know batman batman returns forever i'll save batman and robin for later in the year fine we'll mark it on the calendar for new year's <laughs> all things considered but yeah Okay. But yeah, that that's a really good scene. You know, uh, there was such an interesting dynamic between Keaton and Nicholson. Um, Nicholson in that film. Just such an interesting take on, you know, we had never seen those characters besides, you know, the Adam West stuff. You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses on, would you? <laughs> yeah. Well, their their fight on top of that church is still even just kind of comical in some regard because Vicky Vale kind of lightweight, you know, fakes out joker and thinks he's gonna get seduced and it's just like yeah. excuse me have you ever danced with the devil in a pale moonlight smack right in the face <laughs> michael green just lays it to him you're like oh 
Then just... And that movie, that movie too, is a good example of you know when people sit there and go, "Oh, Batman doesn't kill." I'll watch what Keaton does in that movie. He sends so many guys to their deaths in that in that movie. Between that and Returns, he has a pretty good body count himself. He blew up Axis Chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just no sounds or buts about it. He blew that place up. Yeah. And even the Joker was like, "Yeah, you missed me." <laughs> oh, Batman '89. I cannot believe Michael Keaton's going to be back in, in the suit for the Flash. That's s- still astonishing. Yeah, it's going to be crazy to see that on the big screen. Indubitably. Who knows? Maybe he'll have a moment here on on this list eventually from that film. I don't, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. All right. So my number three is um, kind of similar to the last time we did our legendary list, and you did that. Uh, moment between uh, Batman and Ace uh, from the animated series, mm-hmm. much more of like a humane moment for Batman, kind of showing his his humanity that he understands people, that he can see when someone is hurting or someone's in pain. Um, my number three is uh, from we saw it in the animated movie, but I of course first saw it by reading the graphic novel. Um, this, the uh, moment where Batman leaves Solomon Grundy uh, some Thanksgiving food. Just shut very, up. Are you serious? Uh, yeah. Oh man, that is too good. Oh, go on, <laughs> please go on. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that just to me that that really shows like that Batman understands. You know, Solomon Grundy is part of his rogues gallery. Solomon Grundy is by all means a quote unquote villain. But also, in a way, he's just this this mindless zombie that is in the Gotham sewers. And Batman can see that, you know, he's kind of a lost soul. He's not able to die. So he's always going to be in this kind of miserable condition. You know, the dude lives in the sewers and eats rats, chews them up like, you know, uh, just, oh, man, that scene in the animated movie when he's just taking the rats the dead rats just tossing them in his mouth and just chewing them up like it's nothing oh dude you know 100 percent. yeah it's it's a it's a very human thing for batman to be considerate of, of someone of all things solomon grundy on thanksgiving it's like oh man that's touching and he's just he knows that he's a victim of circumstance you know yeah solomon grundy is a very tortured character and batman understands that and he can connect with that he can see that this guy is in a lot of pain so why not, hey, I'll just drop him off some food for Thanksgiving. So he has at least something to look forward to. So that was part one, correct? Yes. Okay, so my number three is the end of part two. Oh, okay. Yeah, my ending, mine is the ending of Long Halloween part two, where it's Batman, Gordon, Two-Face on the rooftop with the uh, yeah. lit, and they're like, our promise one year ago to end Carmine Falcone's crime ring. Was it worth it? And then they have that conversation about whether or not it was worth it. But Gordon's like, yes, but whether or not we'll see any kind of, you know, results from that has yet to be seen. And then even Harvey's just like, he's asking if the good guys won. Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost even like, I think we might have even touched it in that episode. It's like kind of not quite a passing of the torch, but an evolution of of what is Gotham City going to be like in a post-crime ridden world where you have the mob bosses are no longer the biggest threat now you've got things like the joker poison ivy solomon grundy the penguin mad hatter 
Scarecrow, you know, Calendar Man. Which, it would yeah. be interesting, you know, since there is now a new a special, a little one-shot that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale did that follows up the long Halloween. So I'd, I wonder if they'll, if Warner's Animation will probably do a little one-shot doing that. But who knows? We'll see. Yeah, and I mean, to your point, that is very true. Like, in a way, it's Harvey Dent kind of even realizing that, you know, everything that he was working towards is gone. You know, right. he was he was a district attorney. He his goal was to bring to justice those that broke the law. How can he bring characters to justice like, you know, an undead creature that lives in the sewer? How can he bring justice to, you know, a madman who goes around and shoots people with fear toxin or a psychotic clown that no one even knows where he came from? They just know he is basically evil incarnate. Mm-hmm. yeah it's really just a, a nice ending to that story but also it does beg the question of like whether or not what they do truly is at the end of the day worth it and to some extent it is and it isn't you know that that's always yep. the, the hard it's the hard job and i feel like batman and gordon are finally coming to understand that part of it with this you know with this story coming to its end with harvey dent you know, not so much being revealed as Holiday, but, like, taking the fall for that and also, like, just his own downfall of becoming Two-Face. Like, everything that is... They work so hard to try and preserve. Even still, it fell apart right before their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really, really great scene. And actually, ironically, too, kind of plays in a way into my number two. Um, okay. So my number two legendary moment for this uh, this segment is uh, the end of the Dark Knight, uh, ah. Nolan's Dark okay. Knight, which ironically has to do with those same three characters: um, Gordon, Harvey Dent, and Batman. So in yeah. at the end of the Dark Knight, you know, um, Harvey has Gordon's son planning on killing him by the flip of the coin. Uh, Batman jumps in, they fall down, obviously Dent dies from the fall, and, you know, Gordon looks over and he sees just, he's kind of taking in everything that has happened throughout this whole film, Right. you know, everything from the Joker to what happened to Dent to everything that he's gone through, and he's looking down, and uh, the quote that really stuck out for me was, uh, he tells Batman as Batman's getting up from the fall, Uh, Joker took the best of us and tore him down. He took the one thing that Gotham was really hoping was going to turn their city around. This district attorney who was coming in and going to change things, you know, combat the mafia, Mm -hmm. get the criminals off the streets, Mm -hmm. make the people feel protected, has instead been absolutely corrupted and turned into this thing that you can't even look at without getting disgusted. And he's just so torn by what he's seen. Batman stands up and just basically tells him, Dent didn't do this. I did it. And Gordon is wrestling with the fact that, you know, you can't. Why would you want to do that? And Batman uses the same line that Dent used earlier in the movie. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And he understands, uh, and actually he follows that quote up with, I'm whatever Gotham needs me to be. 
Batman understands the step that has to be taken because he knows if the citizens of Gotham were to find out the truth that the city there'd be no coming back the city would be lost and they would have no there would be no recourse for it well you look at the first film he was the hero the second film he's the villain yep. the last film he's the legend yep so that makes a lot of sense and I feel like that that's a really great ending for that film too because that film again pulls from the long halloween man there's a lot of long halloween talk mm -hmm. going on and i feel like that's a nice it's 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 a nice well to pull from but i wonder just how how long you can pull from them well before you yeah. dry you know what i mean but even still like that that ending still has a lot of merit to it because of everything you just said and also like aaron eckhart turned in a really great performance i was really hoping that that he would come back for a third film but after like from me too it was dead i was like oh man that's a damn shame yeah, I almost it was hard for me to believe that he died because I mean, yes, they did fall and it did seem like kind of a big fall. But even from the camera angles, it didn't look like something that would kill him. Yeah, because so, you, you feel like you feel like Batman dropped Maroney from a higher building and Maroney yeah. only had his ankles broken. So it's just yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah, I was very surprised that they decided. I, I guess I get why he had to die to kind of move the story in the direction that it needed to go. But at the same, kind of like you, I was hoping that two face was going to be the main villain in the next film. Same. Yeah. Which is ironic because my number two is actually from the dark Knight rises. Oh, there we go, man. We're just, even without talking about our list, we're just leading into one another. I know, right? It's almost like synergy. It happens. Yeah. Anyway, um, my number two, my again, my uh, my list is mostly live action. It's also some serious, some meta, some just for the hell of it. This one just, I've always just found it, of all things in this film, is easily my least favorite of the Nolan trilogy, hands down, no question about it. But still, all that said, of the things I find admirable about it, <laughs> is the moment when Christian Bale gets his back broken as Batman by by Tom Hardy's Bane, and the, the line delivery. Of Tom Hardy. Oh, yes. I, I, was, I was breakfast. <laughs> Your spirit. Oh, body. And he just <laughs> yeah. drops him on his knee and yeah. he just cracks his back and he just. <laughs> oh, man. I, oh, oh, man. The theater experience there. Yeah. I, I was so jazzed to see that scene. And yeah. when it happened, I just gave a fist bump loud as yeah. hell and I yelled, yes. Like the first <laughs> five rows in front of me, just like, oh, I got jumped and they looked up and I was just just all giddy and happy that batman got his back broken oh man i'm terrible i know but it it really is the line delivery that makes it and your body boom <laughs> you just even hear the slight crack and you're like oh yeah. shit the only thing that i and again i know it wasn't ever gonna happen but i always kind of wanted to see it's just not something that will ever happen in live action the way Bane breaks his back in the comic, just like the body stretching over oh. his over his knee, dude. Obviously, that's never going to be achievable in live action. But man, what a what a scene that would be! Like to see that like actually done, like the Nightfall Oof. story done in some capacity. To see like a big Jack Bane on Venom just mm -hmm. pick apart a weary weakened batman in the batcave and just yell and utter the words break you and you just see the mm. body bend and you see and hear the back snap all oh, that would be too primordial but i don't 
I don't know. I, I do, again, I like I like it here because of the line of liver. Oh, yes, I was wondering about breakfast. Your spirit? Oh, your body just drops him, dude. Like, it's just such a such a viscerous, like, drop. Cause you the just way, see yeah, the way he drops him, because he just, he brings him down, cracks him over the knee, and then just kind of, like, like you said, just drops him. Like, yeah. doesn't, like, throw him, doesn't do, like, anything, like, overdramatic, just kind of hits him with the knee and just kind of rolls Batman over yeah. like, yeah, get out of here. You insect. Yeah. It just really just ends him. Like he comes victorious. But then of course, like that, their fight at the end in the snow and broad daylight, I will concede that that like when they go hand to hand and Tom Hardy, like really gives it to Bruce or he's mm-hmm. trying to, and he breaks apart the pillar. I was like, okay, there you yeah. go. I, I, I can kind of buy why Batman would have a tough time beating him, but also, you know, maybe he shouldn't have gone, like, fist first against a guy <laughs> after eight years of no combat, but hey, yeah. you know, nobody's perfect. Yep. He, he It was a learning lesson for him, just like how I'm sure Pattinson's going to get some learning lessons in the new movie. Right, and I feel like he's going to get those learning lessons, if he gets a trilogy, he's probably going to get those learning lessons throughout Oof. the entirety of it. Yeah. So I guess that uh, brings us to number one. Yes. So my number one. Um, so I guess you could say a little bit controversial, just given the characters that are involved. These are two characters that have a lot of divisiveness about them, particularly just because of the people who portrayed them. Um, but this legendary moment that I was going to put as my number one. Uh, let's see. I'll just say it's uh, three words. A truce, Bruce. <laughs> the nightmare scene from Justice League Snyder Cut, um, the interaction with Ben Affleck's Batman and Jared Leto's Joker. Talk about just a scene that is 100% on point for the characters. I just, I could watch that interaction over and over again and never get tired of it the tension between them the way that leto just his joker knows that he is getting under batman's skin with every single word he says to him and just everything about it is just for me perfection i really really hope that we someday get that film with those two in it. I know it's very unlikely at this point with everything that has happened that it will ever happen, but man, do I love that scene. I got to admit when that sequence happens and it's 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 something, it's something to behold, that's for damn sure. I I cannot lie the the batman fan in me that can see the visual history between those two not only as actors themselves but just like as the characters that they're portraying you see it in jared's playfulness in that he's really getting under his skin with every word and that you know he's talking about oh he knows exactly what it's like to lose someone he loves Mm -hmm. a father a mother an adopted son like he fl- he doesn't even dance around it he knows exactly what he's talking about he knows exactly what buttons to push and batman's just like say one more word mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's waiting for him to say the one thing that will just make him <laughs> break, break him the card <laughs> yeah right 
like th- their exchange and and all even when J- when Joker goes and all you have to do is tear it in half and I'm happy to discuss with you any way you like why you sent the boy wonder to do a man's job Camp Snyder's camera work on that shot how it's blurred out and it's focusing on the card and then the second he says a man's job it just focuses entirely on him and those eyes that he has ah man I just and the the other quote when he when he says that you know like an adopted son's uh, part, and uh, where he says how many can die in your arms before you grow numb to death, and Batman responds he's like that's not very careful, <laughs> and then Joker careful. respond just follows it right back up, how many dead eyes can you look into before you die inside yourself, it's just I like oh man he's just <laughs> he's just going. Every, it's like he's taking these little needles and just giving Batman these little jabs in there and just it's just such a great scene yeah is Leto he is what he is and you know Suicide Squad all of that behind us I just I can't get enough of that scene and of course it's followed with um, Bruce telling him, you know, it's funny that you would talk about people who died in my arms. When I held Harley Quinn and she was bleeding and dying, she begged me with her last breath that when I killed you, and make no mistake, I will fucking kill you, right. that I do it slow. And I'm just like, man, I want to see more of this so, so badly. Yeah, that sequence is definitely one for the books especially if you can separate the fact that we might not have seen their visual history they actually do a really great job of of giving you that through their performance in just a what three and a half minute conversation yeah because like <laughs> you got to figure batman's worst nightmare would have to be working with the joker to to stop a mm-hmm. world annihilation i also really like this the just before he follows it up uh where he tells him about you know the adopted son part. Uh, what was the quote that Leto said? I had it written down here. Yeah. How I many alternate wonder, timelines? How many alternate timelines do you destroy the world? Because frankly, you don't have the cojones to die, to die yourself. yourself. Hmm. So as usual, I'll be, be the, the bigger, bigger man. man. And then pulls out the card. And I'm just like, man, he's just, he's hidden. He knows that Batman is, is riddled with guilt and he's just loving the fact that he can hit Bruce with everything he's got. And even his delivery of poor Lois, how she suffered. So it's like, damn, he's not, he's callous. He just does not give a shit. He's just, again, pushing those buttons. And then Deathstroke of all people is like, you really think it was a good idea bringing him along? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of all characters, Deathstroke's the one that says that. And then the Joker's just spitting raspberries in the background like <laughs> and Batman's like, what do you think? Yeah. Ah, uh, that, that that definitely, after I was thinking about my, t- my five for this time, I was like, I have to make this my number one. I went back and watched it on, I watched the Snyder Cut again a few nights ago, and just, I can't get enough of that scene. You know, it's funny you mentioned Zack Snyder's Justice League, also known as the oh, Snyder Cut. Oh, here we Cut. go. Oh, here we go, that's right. My number one is also from this movie. I knew exactly what my number one was before I'd even started the list, because I'd been thinking about it all damn day. I'd been thinking about it 
practically from the time I had mentioned that we were going to do volume two, and that is three words. Faith, Alfred. Faith. Yeah. Because that is just such a great sequence mm -hmm. in that you have Bruce, you have the League, you have the Flying Fox, you have Alfred, you have a very confident Bruce Wayne, you have a very leader you know, mm -hmm. you've got the the leader of the Justice League there, and he's, you know, Alfred's asking him, like, are you sure Superman's going to show up? And mm -hmm. Batman's like, yeah. And Alfred's just kind of like, how do you know? And Batman's faith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's a changed man. And I love that it's all there in three in three words. And he's he's absolutely proven right when, you know, Clark shows up at, at the, the, the lake house. And sees mm -hmm. Alfred working on the car. He says, "Must be Alfred." You said you, you said you'd be back. You said you now. Be. Let's pray. Let's hope you're not. You're too not late. too late. And then, of course, yeah. you know, if Superman promptly shows up, saves the league, and you know, stops Cyborg from getting hit by Steppenwolf. Not impressed. Yeah. <laughs> but truthfully, like Batman in that movie is really like, inarguably the most comic accurate he's ever been on live action mm. up yes, to this is. point. Yep. <laughs> Because he is the, the determined leader, he's the tactician, and he's an excellent hand-to-hand -hand combatant. Even though you see him, like, kind of take some shit from a couple parademons, but he still, mm -hmm. like, goes into the battle against Steppenwolf with everything he's got. And yep. to even go back to, you know, your number one, the, the, the conversation with the Joker at the end of that movie, the, you know, the, the, I guess, since the movie does end on an epilogue and you've got all the different story endings you know you've got the flash racing off in a time you've got batman on top of his signature tank you've got mm -hmm. superman with his iconic shirt rip and of course um cyborg at his grave mm -hmm. renewed faith embracing who he is like you know you just really get all these you know you see the league for who they are and especially with batman and that nightmare sequence and what you know was supposed to happen like even just thinking about where his story would have wound up in terms of like sacrificing himself final crisis style and just being you know that that heroic savior like i gotta say like ben affleck just really delivered in in that performance and he's just a really mm -hmm. great batman and i love his leader batman if you will and that that film also you know Zack Snyder's Justice League is very inspired by the film um, Seven Samurai. Oh yeah, you can definitely see the inspiration Absolutely. there. Oh, hundred percent. And I, I, that's one of my favorite black and white films. So mm -hmm. I've always just been enticed by this film, and I'm glad it. I'm glad it, it happened. I, I truly am. So because it's got. Yeah, I was. I really appreciated the fact. I think we discussed this in an earlier episode. It was so refreshing to see Batman become that leader because we've never seen that in any film. You know, we've always seen in any kind of Justice League, he's not really the leader. He's always kind of played off as, you know, he's part of the team, but he wants to be on his own. He wants to, yeah, he, he kind of does everything to the side. He'll come in when the league needs him but he doesn't want to get too attached, too involved. It was so refreshing to see Affleck's Batman basically go and see, you know, this superhuman sacrificed himself to save all of us. I need to do better to make things right. It's inspirational. 
Yeah. Nothing short. And like, even all of his interactions, he's he's even optimistic after Aquaman denies him. He goes and sees Barry. Yeah. Barry just right away is is you know very much game to join. Yeah. On board before he even says anything. Right. <laughs> and you know, I feel like that there's there's a level of trust there that has to go accompanied with it because you know if if you've seen justice league and justice league limited like when bruce kind of calls out everyone's secret identity he's like clark kent wally west bruce <laughs> yeah. wayne this is a completely different dynamic because you've got a barry allen who's never been like outed before in terms of his you know his secret life in terms of like being the flash and being this metahuman so when bruce wayne shows up and goes no, you've got abilities. That's a cute yeah. suit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he he's got <laughs> he's basically calling him out like you can talk to me about this. Like I got your back, dude. And Barry's just like ah, I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. Yeah. But then of course like Batman throws a battering at him and he's like you're the Batman. <laughs> then he doesn't really need to see much be say much beyond that. He's just I'm putting together a team. I'm in. <laughs> you're Batman and you're putting together a team? Got it sold it's like look if batman offers you a spot on a team you don't say no yeah you take it you take it <laughs> exactly but then again that's how robin died yeah, yeah. well you know to be fair <laughs> he's got wonder woman now cyborg the flash superman mm -hmm. aquaman he's set in the nightmare scenario he's got deathstroke so and the joker and the joker <laughs> and mara I still can't. I can't get over how she suffered so. Oh, that my delivery. <laughs> that duality there too between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Just you gotta love it. But that, those are our legendary moments, volume two. But of course, before we wrap this bad boy up, we look up to the sky. series that's right of course mm -hmm. batman the animated series as always and we both actually watched the episode right before we started recording yeah, literally because <laughs> again we're busy adults with things yep. that go on in our lives so craig batman the animated series episode it's never too late again we're watching it on the order that is in hbo max again we probably could do it in in you know production order but that i'm just too lazy to pull up the listing and yeah. siphon through it. Just Easy watch just along. Boot up HBO Max, hit the next button, just move on. But if it ever gets off HBO Max, we're kind of boned. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah. So let's just kind of take solace in the fact we can still watch it. Anyway, episode seven on the HBO Max order. It's never too late. And this is about, uh, so it's actually not super villainy, very much a more grounded episode in the Batman the Animated Series catalog. Yeah, I, I appreciated the fact, you know, after these episodes that we've, you know, in the order that we've gone in, we've had Man Bat, Mr. Freeze, Clayface. So it is kind of nice to just have an episode where 
there is no kind of supernatural or otherworldly or crazy, I guess you would say, comic booky, you know, situation to deal with. This is a very real episode. I feel it's not even just in who he's dealing with in these uh, these mob bosses, mm-hmm. but the subject matter, honestly, too. Very true. Very true. And honestly, I was this might just even be because of the recent watches of you know the long Halloween. But I also just it, it occurred to me that throughout the entirety of the animated series, I don't think that Falcone or Maroni are mentioned. I don't think so. You know, I was thinking that too when this episode started, and you know, it's the the news segment, and they're just like openly saying on the news that you know there's this mob war going on between uh, Rupert Thorne and Stromwell. And I'm sitting there going, huh, you know, growing up, I remember, I remember the, the name. I don't remember Stromwell. I, I forgot that, but I so, definitely remember the name Thorne. So from the animated series, I definitely remember Rupert Thorne. I remember Roland Daggett. Daggett. Yep. Daggett's the other one. And yep. then Stromwell was this episode, because again, this episode is titled never too late. It's about Arnold Stromwell. And you find out that he has a son who is hooked on some kind of drug that Stromwell has, you know, put out on the street by himself. This is also, again, more or less a very grounded episode. It kind of deals with, you know, an ongoing, like, gang thing, like, a confliction, a conflict between Stromwell and Rupert Thorne. And I think that maybe there might have been some kind of, I I wouldn't even think it would be like a rights issue, but maybe they just wanted to like do their own spin on mobsters. And that's why they probably leaned away from, you know, like Falcone and, Maroney? I think so, because if you remember, you know, Long Halloween, Maroney was kind of the, not that he wasn't a young guy, but he was the younger of the two. Right. With Falcone kind of trying to, you know, keep control of his empire as he's, you know, coming to the realization that, like, you know, I'm an older mob boss and I, you know, my time is dwindling. This is the same kind of situation. Stromwell, he's been in charge for a while, he's getting older. And Thorne is kind of the guy that's coming in to kind of take over in a sense. So very, very similar aspects there. So like you said, maybe maybe it was a rights thing or maybe they just they wanted to do the same kind of sort of story, but not use the same characters. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, but I know just on this episode, I found it interesting that Stromwell had a bit of a trauma there with a train. Yeah. getting caught in the rail and how that kind of fo- comes into the focus at the end of the episode and also um, to the, the the even bigger reveal of, of you know his son being on the drugs that he as a boss distributes creates and has littered through Gotham City and it's like the, the episode kind of le- goes back and forth between being about you know this this battle between Stromwell and Rupert Thorne which is kind of you know starts off being instigated by Stromo, but then increasingly becomes more fan flame by Rupert Thorne as the episode goes on. But then you've also got Batman here who wants to end all of this because obviously it's doing horrible things to Stromwell's son, his family as a whole. And it's, you know, causing Gotham a great deal of misery for obvious reasons, as you know, we've experienced in the real world as drugs tend to. Mm-hmm. Well, and the way, you know, it starts off with, Stromwell thinking and they say it on the news too that his son's been missing right so and he's under the assumption well Thorne is after my empire it's got to be Thorne that kidnapped my son 
And that's kind of the route they go with throughout the whole episode until those last couple of minutes where Batman reveals to Stromwell that, no, your son wasn't kidnapped. He, I got him into a drug rehab center because he is addicted to the drugs that you're selling on the streets. Yep. But it's also interesting to see that, like, when they have their encounter, when Stromwell and Thorne have their altercation in, in the Pete's Cafe that Rupert Thorne owns, you know, little does Stromwell know that Thorne's playing him big time and totally going to screw him over. Like, yeah. Thorne leads him to believe, like, look, man, I'm a boss, but I would never harm family. And it's like, but you're in the mafia. You you do anything yeah. for the right price. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. But the fact well, that's... that's always the thing with mafia, you know, storylines is they have this sort of honor code, mm -hmm. but in the long scheme of things, they don't, you know, it never pans out. <laughs> True. At least as far as depicted anyway. It's so. depicted. Yes, of course. And it's even worse when Stromwell like kind of takes him up on the offer to have Thorne help him out. Even then Thorne totally like screws him and yeah. blows up his own cafe. I'm just like, well, I mean, you're Rupert Thorne, so I guess maybe you could probably build another one, but whatever. Yeah, and what's a... Uh, oh, my God. Uh, why am I totally blanking on the detective that's always with Commissioner Gordon? Harvey Bullock. Bullock. When he when they get on the scene of the explosion, he's like, oh, too bad. They had the best cannolis yep, in town. I had like, that really? written down. <laughs> that's what you're upset about. Of course he'd be upset about that. Oh, and the other... And then just before that... You know, Gordon's looking at the fire, and he Bullock is looking at him, and, and Commissioner Gordon looks at him and goes, well, "What are you looking at?" And he's like, "I never noticed your hair. <laughs> looks <laughs> better like, on what? TV. <laughs> your, your hair looks better on TV than it does in person. What?" Or when or when Strawball kind of comes out of it on top of the burning roof, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And Batman goes, "Saving your hide." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kevin Conroy, you know, like we've said in the last couple of episodes, he has so many just good little lines in this animated series. Like remember the last one, you lying sleaze. <laughs> the line delivery. We can even do like a legendary nights episode. <laughs> really? We can, do, we can do a legendary moments of the uh, legendary voice moments of Kevin Conroy's yeah. Batman. If we really want <laughs> to starting um, with you lying sleaze going into <laughs> my, your hide. my favorite quote in this episode though is out of nowhere, you know, we had this intense scene uh, in in that restaurant where, you know, Stromwell accuses Thorne of kidnapping his son. He's like, oh, no, mm -hmm. I would never do that. I never go after your family. Right. Then you have the explosion. You have Batman saving him. Out of nowhere, the, it goes over to the crowd, and you got this dude who he looks – I don't even know how to describe him. He looks like a – he uh, mentally ill – citizen or something and he looks up and he sees batman carrying you know, stromwell out of the burning building but then he suddenly has like a stoner voice and he goes what did i, I write whoa heavy barbecue action there man yeah, that one was kind I'm of like, a, like huh? what what are you saying <laughs> and then uh like the next scene you know gordon and them are trying to figure out what happened they're like oh nobody could have survived that that same guy comes out and is like, nah, man, I saw it. I saw him. He, like, he, he came out of the fire and saved the guy. <laughs> and then he, what's the quote I wrote down here? He says, he was like a dark angel snatching the guy from the fires of Hades, man. <laughs> I'm like, what is this guy and where has he come from? 
He's obviously an upstanding member of Gotham's elite. Come oh, on now, it was Craig. so so weird, just <laughs> out of nowhere. I mean, if 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 it was just some kind of regular Joe Jackass, cool, I guess. But yeah. I feel like you know having those little character moments of little personalities of little random characters always makes for those head scratching moments all the more funny. <laughs> yeah. That's just maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was such a weird little thing to just throw in there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. And even, like, I, it's really unfortunate how the episode ends because, well, almost unfortunate because Strombok totally cut, tries to screw Batman. It's like, no, you yeah. thought it was going to go that easy. It's like, dude. Yeah. He's Batman. Pulls a hunting rifle on him. Of all, right? Like a hunting rifle. And there isn't that interesting dynamic, though, because, you know, when they go back to the flashback scene where he sees himself as a younger kid with his brother Michael, and the priest yeah yep. and you see michael push him out of the way you don't see him get hit but the, you know kind of the implication there in that second flashback sequence is that his brother died you know trying to save him from the train but then immediately cuts over to him talking to this priest and it turns out that that priest is his brother and that he i guess according to what they said he lost his leg in that accident yes and uh, yeah, and it, what does he say? He's I wrote that down too. He says, "I get by, knock on wood," and he taps on his wooden leg. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's something. just it's an interesting moment for Stromwell to kind of see that, like, even back when he was a child, the actions he was taking was hurting other people, and now it's coming full circle with these actions that he's taken as an adult as this mobster what it has done to not only the city of Gotham, but what it's done to his own son. Right. And then at the very end, he tells Gordon, I need to give you a statement. And yeah. I think there's even a moment up top in the beginning of the episode where Batman's just kind of lurking out from a church, from the same church, and he's, like, lurking at uh, yeah. Stromwell. He's, like, yeah. watching Stromwell's every move, and that's when he goes and sees the priest, and he goes, will you be there tonight? Clearly, Batman knew what he was doing. He knew his, He studied his studied his case very well and actually when he went to go see that priest in the, the beginning of the episode who later turns out to be um stromwell's brother i actually wrote down a quote that he said when batman goes to see him and the priest says uh that's one soul i wish i could give up on and that's like you kind of get the sense of how far stromwell has how much damage he has done to the city of gotham yeah yeah agreed Man, that I gotta admit, like you know, I've I've seen the episodes like this get maybe sort of criticized for not being as as fantastical. But I'm like, you know, they they might serve other purposes, and I appreciate mm -hmm. what this episode was going for. Um, I'd probably say solid four out of five bat heads. Bat I wings. do too. Yeah, four out of five yeah. bat wings. There we go. Well, that. We'll put a pin in it for this episode of The Eternal Light. Thank you again for everyone who's been chumming along for this nice... Uh, this, ah, wow. Thank you, everyone, for chumming along through this awesome journey with Craig and I. And, of course, our good friend Terrence, who's on for one episode. we got to get him back. We've got to bring Terrence yeah, back. Yeah, we do. we got to get him back on here. This, this is just too much fun. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll invite him to the commentary for Batman and Robin. <laughs> that would be interesting. A three-way drunken commentary on Batman and Robin. That uh, just sounds... That sounds like a train wreck that is just going to be 100% worth it. 
Well, let's find out at the end of next month. But until <laughs> then, uh, just to also heads up, Craig, the next episode we have for Batman the Animated Series, as far as the HBO Max listing, is Joker's Favor. Uh, here we go. Now we're getting into it. So we will return with the Joker next time on Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and that was that will also do it for Volume Two, Legendary Moments of the Dark Knight. Really great choices. I can't wait to throw some show art together for that one to put in a little corner there next to our big old bat. Yeah. Uh, as you all know, as everyone also knows, let's get also some of the house cleaning out of the wood before we take off. You can also follow this show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for T-E-K underscore podcast. You can also email us at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also feel free to leave us a review on Podbean or even Apple Podcast or iTunes. Uh, Craig, my man, as always, it's always a blast talking anything Batman detective and, well, you know, you get the idea. Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> anything batman related you know it where can people find you on the interwebs if they wish to follow you along interwebs you can find me on instagram at craigie omega c-r-a-i-g-g-y-o-m-e-g-a thank you craig as always you can also find me on any social platform search for unfiltered uh, vero twitter instagram you can also catch me on the Foreigners Network every Friday night with the Late Night Pool. Um, yeah, you can also... Yeah, that, that that's about it, guys. We are wrapping it up for this week's episode of The Eternal Night. As always, stay safe, wear your mask, take it easy, have a great night or day, whatever your listening preference is. Thank you, everyone. Contraire, my little fish stick. He knows exactly what it's like to lose someone he loves. You know, like a... a father. Like a mother. Be very careful with the next thing you say. Like an adopted son. Isn't that right? Batman. Maybe, in a way, that smelly old flounder is right. Because how many can die in your arms before you grow numb to death? That's not very careful. And how many dead eyes can you look into before you die inside yourself? I've been dead a long time. But even I have a limit. And if you cross that line, I swear to God, I... Before what, Bruce? Kill me? You don't want to kill me. I'm your best friend. Besides, who's going to give you a reach around? Anyway, you need me. You need me to help you undo this world you created by letting her die. Poor Lois. How she suffered so! I often wonder, how many alternate timelines do you destroy the world? Because, frankly, you don't have the colonies to die yourself. 
So as usual, I'll be the bigger man. A truce, Bruce. <laughs> as long as you have this card, the truce. But all you have to do is tear it in half, and I'm happy to discuss with you in any way, like why you sent a boy wonder. To do a man's job. Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.